Well, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Who's, whose favorite holiday is Thanksgiving? Anybody? No? Christmas? Okay, a lot more hands. That's good. That's good. That's my favorite holiday, too, so you guys are all good. So if you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, if we're going to start there today. I'm going to warn you, I'm going to wear out your hands today because we're going to be turning around a lot in the Bible, so make sure you have your Bibles ready. Um, John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Um, as um, Brother Randy said, make sure you're praying for pastor. Um, it's not fun going through what they're going through, so make sure you're praying for them all week as they're figuring all this out. So, And uh, pray for me as pastor's figuring it all out. So um, John chapter 12. Um, before we get started, I want to tell a little story, though. Around 15 years ago, I mean, I was about 9, 10 years old. I grew up in Cambodia, as many of you know. Um, I loved riding my bike. It's two things. I love riding my bike, but I also love cookies. Most of you can tell I like cookies, you know. I got a lot this week at Thanksgiving. Um, but I loved riding my bike, and I loved cookies. So one day, my parents gave me a little money, and they said, Blake, you go down to the store and buy whatever you want. So I got on my bike, and... Uh, in Cambodia, they had just little stores on the side of the road, and I rode down the street. I got there, and, you know, first thing I'm looking for is cookies. So I'm looking all around the wall. There's potato chips, and eh. There's different things in there, and, eh. and I see some Oreos. Yeah. It's like, I, like, I like Oreos. That's a good deal. So I grabbed the Oreos. I had just the right amount of money. I went, and I paid the lady. She said, okay, you're good to go. I got my Oreos. I was riding my bike, and with one hand, I was riding my bike, and with the other, I was opening these Oreos. Not a good idea, okay? But thankfully, God didn't let me fall. So, But as I was riding my bike, opening these cookies, I, I shoved one in my mouth. And as soon as it hit my tongue, I was like, whoa, isn't that an Oreo? I spit it out. That is not an Oreo. I mean, it looked just like an Oreo package. But in Cambodia, it was the fake version. As I looked a little closer, I noticed that there was two O's at the beginning, and I was like, that doesn't seem right. But nine, ten-year-old, I didn't know what it smelled like. So I was like, okay, this is not good. I spit it out. It looked really good. It looked like the real thing, but it was a fake. It was a cheap imitation. Well, today, we're going to go to John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. And as you turn there, you can probably already know who we're going to talk about today. We're going to go through the life of a fake in the Bible. So let's pray before we get started, though. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everything you've given to us, Lord. I pray that you'd uh, just open our hearts to whatever you would have for us today. I pray that you'd help me to say exactly what you would have me to say today, and I pray all in your name. Amen. So the question I want us to think about today, before we get started, is are we, are we the real deal? Or like the Oreos, are we just a fake imitation so let's go to John chapter 12, verse 4, it says this. We're looking at the life of Judas Iscariot. When you think about a fake, you probably could think of him. It's the first name that comes to your head. When John chapter 12, verses 4, it says, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? So as you can tell, this story is about... Um, and Mary, she came and anointed Jesus' feet with this ointment. It was expensive. It was worth a year's wage. 
And Judas, you know, the good man he was, he said, whoa, 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 why, why would we just waste that on Jesus' feet? We should, we should give it, and then we can use it for the poor people. Well, in verse 5, it says, or in verse 6, it says, This he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. You know, Judas Iscariot looked really good. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, we see that he was one of the 12 disciples. He traveled with Jesus. He was named as one of the 12. So he was a well-honored man. I mean, Jesus and his 12 disciples came into town. and was like, oh, he's one of the 12. That's cool. He gets to serve right alongside Jesus. People knew him as one of the great disciples of God. Now if we look back, we know. But back then, he probably looked great. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 10, 5 through 8, it, it says that Judas was even one of the 12 that was sent out by Jesus to preach. He had lots of opportunities. He looked really good. But he didn't really care about the poor. He didn't really care about what was going on with Jesus. I mean, he had to have been pretty well trusted between the disciples to have been the one chosen to take care of the money. I mean, that's a pretty important job. So he was a trusted man out of these 12 disciples. But he was stealing. He was there for the wrong reasons. He was a fake. I told you we're going to turn a lot today, so if you want to go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We're going to go through some verses in the life of Judas today. Mark chapter 14, verse 18 is where we're going to start. Verse 18, it says this. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. So this was at the Last Supper. He got all the disciples together. And most of you know this part of the story. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. I mean, okay, these men were sitting with Jesus. It's the Last Supper. And Jesus says, listen, one of you who are here with me today is going to betray me. And rather than everybody saying, oh, I think I know who it is, starting to look down the table, it's probably that Judas guy. Rather than that, they were so fooled by him that they started questioning. Well, is it me? And another disciple said to God, well, Jesus, is I? They didn't know who the fake was. They didn't know who was, who was betraying Jesus, who was there for the wrong reasons. He fooled everyone. He fooled those he was around. Keeping to my promise, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 22. Okay. Luke chapter 22. We're going to look at verses 47 and 48. And most of you know the life of Judas already. And it's sad. In verse 47 it says this, And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them 
and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss? So here we see where Judas betrayed Jesus Christ. It started off, Judas was just there for the wrong reasons. He was getting money. I don't know what other reasons he might have been there. But I mean, he was stealing out of the money. He was there for the wrong reasons. But it ultimately led to him betraying Jesus Christ. Keeping my promise again, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Verse 3, if we're going to start there. Now Judas realized what he had done. Now Judas realized that he had betrayed Jesus Christ. What was he going to do now? In verse 3 it says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Here we see the destruction of Judas. It all started, he was just there for the wrong reasons. He was there, he was making money, he was stealing some of the money, he was well trusted, fooling everyone. Everybody thought he was great, he was one of the 12 disciples, he was honored, he was, he was sent out to preach. People saw him as this great man, even his fellow disciples didn't realize that he was there for the wrong reasons. Didn't see him as a fake. He looked good. He looked just like that pack of Oreos of nine-year-old. Man, that looks good. But on the inside, it's disgusting. And this all led to him betraying Jesus Christ, which led to his destruction. So let me ask this question again today. Are you real or are you fake? You look good on the outside, but on the inside you have you have so many problems with your relationship with God. Okay, keeping in my promise again, we're gonna go to first Samuel chapter sixteen. First Samuel chapter sixteen. In verse seven. That's what it says. The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. And here's the key. It says, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You can fool men, just like Judas did. He was there for the wrong reasons. He ended up betraying Jesus Christ. And you know what? He was fooling everybody. You can fool anyone here today. Mason, Andrew, you can fool your youth pastor. Yep. He said, yep. Andrew says, yep. Pretty easily. Just kidding. You can fool pastor. Michael, you can fool your mom. You can fool your dad. And you can fool anyone you want. 
But that's not the end of the verse, is it? You can fool man. Because man looks on the outward appearance. You know what? You can make your actions and all the things you do look like you're this great Christian. Look like you're actually saved if you're not. But the next part of the verse says this. It says, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Remember, you can't fool God. God knows exactly what's in your heart. For one, if you're not saved today, God knows it. You can fool man. You really can. But if you're not saved, God knows your heart. In Revelations 20, verse 15, it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You can't escape judgment. You can fool everyone on earth, just like Judas did. You can fool man, but God knows your heart. And someday, you're going to go to heaven and you're going to answer for whether or not you're saved. For whether or not you truly believe. (laughs) Please allow God to examine your heart. Please make sure you know that you're on your way to heaven. The good news is that God is merciful, though. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you to be saved. And if you're not, it's not too late. Believe on him. Call on his name and believe. But to those who are saved today, I, I think this, this applies to us as well. Because I know a lot of friends growing up that were there for the wrong reasons. Their parents made them come. It was something they did every Sunday. Once they even got out of, out of high school and stuff and they weren't living with their parents, they still kept coming. It was something they did. It was something they were taught. But they never really truly had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They, stepped, make, they kept making the steps and acting like they were, they were saved or that they were a great Christian. They work on bus routes. They, they do different things. And if they look good, but was the relationship with God really there? I mean, for some, I, would, I find out that it never was that they never truly cared about God. And it's sad. Broke my heart. Isaiah 29, verse 13, this is what it says. It says, Therefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. It was taught by the precept of men. You know, their lips and their mouth, they would praise God. They would act like they were great Christians. Probably show up in church and be like, God's great. Yeah, we had three saved today. Things were going well. Yeah. Devotions comes up. Oh, yeah, it's going well. Things are good. 
My relationship with God is great. And their mouths and their lips were praising God and talking about the things of God, but their heart was far from him. I'm scared that we live in a country today that knows how to act, that knows what to say, but their hearts truly don't have a relationship with God. And we're taught by the precept of men, it says. We're taught to fear God by the precept of men. It's just the general rule. Well, Logan, you grew up going to church. You know you should fear God. You need to go to church. You need to read your Bible. And you've put it, that, that precept has been put in you. But is it a true relationship or is it just a precept that's taught by men? I'm worried and scared that our relationships with God are all just passed down. I'm not saying that's you tonight. I really am not. But I hope it's not. I hope, Jacob, you didn't go to Bible college just because you grew up in a Christian home. I don't think you did. But are we, are we truly genuine? Do we truly have a relationship with God? Do we truly care about what he wants for us? Or is it just something we've always done? We've always gone to church, so let's continue doing it. I hope it's not. I hope it's not. I have one more verse and one more story and I'll be done today. I'm not a long preacher, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but we have food, so everybody's happy, right? <laughs> Luke 6, 46 says this, and it says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why do we, why do, why do we act like, oh, yes, God, yes. You're God, you're Lord, and then we don't do what he tells us to do. If we truly believe that God was Lord, we would follow his commandments. We would do what he tells us to do. I, like I said, I grew up on the mission field. and was about 12, 13 years old. Um, there was this family in our church. We called them Grandma and Grandpa. Those are their names. We called them Ye and Pan. And we loved them. Everybody loved them. Everybody cared about them. They got saved when I was really young, probably about two, three years old. They got saved and were in the church, very involved, doing different things. Well, when I was about 10 years old, he got really sick. And he was sick for about two, three years. And we didn't see him at church as much as we used to. And he ended up passing away when I was about 13 years old. Well, you know, as soon as he passed away, my, I went over with my dad, and my dad started talking to the wife. He said, well, how can we help you set up the funeral arrangements? What can we do? We can do it at the church. And she said, no, it's okay. We've got it taken care of. We're doing it elsewhere. And my dad was like, that's a little weird. I mean, we're their home church. They think they want to do it with us, you know, honor, their, honor her husband at the church. Well, 
the funeral arrangements got set up, and they sent everybody in the church an invitation. And uh, we found out it was a Buddhist wedding. I don't know if uh, many don't, might not know what that looks like, but I remember my dad was like, well, we're going to go as a church, but we're going to just stand in the back and we're going to watch. So as, as the whole church, we went, and I remember I was standing in the back, and I was a 13-year-old kid. I mean, I, I knew what was going on, but not really. And I remember his grandson and his granddaughter and his kids and his wife as this body was up there, were going and bowing down to these monks, bowing down and worshiping them. And I remember looking behind me, and everybody in there was sobbing. Well, not everybody in front of us, everybody behind me. Everybody was out of from our church. Everybody was sobbing. You know, Tan Ye, Graham and Grandpa, were this great couple in our church. We loved them. We cared about them. And he did so much to lead his family in the Lord. But when he died, Ye, Grandma, didn't really have that true relationship with God. So she was following her husband. So much so that she was willing to betray God by bowing down and worshiping these monks. Men. Just men. She's willing to bow down and worship them. Betrayal. I remember looking behind me and everybody just sobbing and crying. As a 13-year-old, that got put in my head. Why am I really here? Do I have a true relationship with God? To be honest, I really do think that Grandma was saved. I do. But her relationship with God wasn't what it was supposed to be, so much so that she was willing to betray God, willing to bow down and worship men rather than God. And from that young age, I, that's been in my head. Why am I really here? Am I doing this because my parents raised me this way? Am I doing this because that's what I should do? Am I doing this for fame? What am I, what am I doing this for? Where's, where's my relationship with God? Am I, doing, am I following him, serving him, because that's what he wants me to do? Am I following him and serving him out of a true relationship with God? So, I, I'm not saying tonight that any of you are unsaved. If you're not, I hope you do get saved, but... I hope your relationship with God is real. That you're here for the right reasons. That you love God, and because of that love to him and for him, you follow what he wants for you to do. I hope you come to church because you have a love for God and want to learn more about him. Not saying every week it's easy to come to church, and that's the reason we do, but there should be a true, genuine relationship with him. And if that's not there, please check your hearts and ask God to convict you of that. So are we the real Oreo or are we the fake, fake imitation tonight? Is your heart right with God or are you faking it? I hope you think about that tonight. Because God knows 
whether the, we're the real deal or not. If we're not saved, we will come to judgment day someday and we will be sent to hell. So let's pray. Lord, I